0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's my co-host, Ryan Blake. We are coming to you live from our individual homes today on another dreary but a little warmer Saturday morning, and right on the eve of the winter meetings uh, and the holiday season that started off the other day, um, quite literally, as the holiday family uh, went out and had their own little home run derby. Uh, Did you happen to get a chance to watch that, Ryan?
1: You know, I was on Instagram, and I saw that it happened. I saw the post. I did not get a chance to actually watch it.
0: I watched it last night. It was pretty entertaining. Now, a lot of people um, talk about how Ethan is the best player in the family. Uh, He got to go first in the Home Run Derby. It was Ethan Holiday, Matt Holiday, Jackson Holiday, and Will from Bat Bros, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Ethan went first and he hit one home run. Just, Ooh. yeah, just one home run. I'm, I'm, I'm playing spoiler here. Uh, That's Jack up. Jackson went second. He hit four and a half. Cause apparently if you hit the wall, it's not an out, it's a half a point. And if you hit a ball out, but it's foul, it's not an out. So if it's got home run distance, but it's foul, it's, or just foul, I guess it's not an out. Um, so Ethan hit one. Jackson hit four and a half. Um, Will the bat bro? He hit I think three. And then Matt Holiday. No, I'm I'm I'm, I'm sorry. Jackson Jackson hit eight and a half. Jackson hit, oh, eight, wow. and half. Okay. hit eight and a half. Okay. Eight and a half. Will the bat bro? I think hit a uh, five and a half. And Matt Holiday hit eight and a half. And at forty three years old, which I thought he was older than that, I didn't realize that he's barely older than me. Um, he, uh, at 43 years old, man, he still has that swing, man. He was smashing some baseballs,
1: ton of fun. And
0: it. it, it was, uh, Matt squaring off against Jackson in the final. Matt went first, you get three outs, um, to hit as many home runs as you can. And Matt hit four and a half. And then Jackson came up. He, he was down to his final out. With one and a half home runs, I'm sorry, with a half a home run, and the final out. Each home run that you hit is worth um, is worth two. Each wall ball mm. that you hit is worth a half a point. is is worth a full point. And uh, Jackson hit, he hit two home runs to give him four and a half. And then, just for good measure, he hit a couple more just so that he could be, it, like he, so that he could actually like legitimately hit more home runs than that. But Jackson ended up winning. Which was cool because you know he's a guy who's going to play for the Orioles in 2024, so it doesn't mean really anything. It was just fun to watch because it was a it was a holiday family home run derby and they ended it, ended up it with some pickleball, but uh, just some content, fun. baby. Yeah, man, it, it 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 was a ton of fun. Jackson rocking the uh, Orioles hoodie while he was doing his home run derby, so that was cool too. So, um, yeah, so Orioles pulling away some more hardware uh, this off season to close out 2023. Uh, Felix Bautista, unanimous recipient of the Mariano Rivera American League Relief Pitcher of the Year Award. He was 8-2 uh, with 33 saves and a 148 ERA, 110 strikeouts and 61 innings pitched in uh, with a 9.18 18 whip in the 2023 season. And, Ryan, he didn't pitch after August 25th this past year and still was the unanimous choice for the award. Um, your thoughts on Felix Bautista pulling away the Orioles' fourth offseason award fourth official offseason award
1: yeah i mean he was unbelievable this year there was there was one point about halfway through the season he was on pace to break the single season record for strikeouts per nine innings he was he was right on pace with a role chapman i believe has that mark currently at a little over 18 um you know he was striking out two guys every outing it seemed like two or three Uh, and and if you take away that that grand slam to kyle tucker which I think some people forget was just a couple pitches after a dropped foul tip. Not Mm -hmm. that it's easy to catch a 101 mile an hour fastball that makes contact with something a foot in front of you. I am not blaming James McCann at all, Um, but that could have been a strikeout and ended up being a grand slam. And that inflated his numbers by just about double. He was this year and, absolutely deserving of that award despite the fact that he didn't pitch down the stretch he was a huge reason why the Orioles made it as far as they did and were able to win 100 games because when the game's over after eight it's a lot easier
0: uh yeah it it certainly is and you know the Orioles gonna be without Felix Bautista in the 2025 season uh because he's having Tommy John surgery which brings us to John Heyman who reported the Orioles have talked to Josh Hader, Craig Kimbrell, Araldis Chapman and Jordan Hicks this offseason. Let's dive into this a little bit. The bidding for for Hater is likely going to start, uh, Ryan, at five years, $105 million, which is what Edwin Diaz got last offseason. Of course, we all know Edwin Diaz hurt himself celebrating um, uh, after a, a World Baseball Classic, I believe, qualifier last year, and he was lost for the season for the Mets. So he got that huge contract and then didn't pitch. Uh, Josh Hader, hometown boy, but he's not going to take a hometown discount to pitch for the Baltimore Orioles. We would be beyond shocked if the Orioles ponied up more than $21 million a year for a relief pitcher. Correct, Ryan?
1: Yeah, it it would be stunning to me. Uh, You wouldn't expect Hayter to take a hometown discount and he really shouldn't. Um, You know, it's, he's the best closer on the market by a long shot right up there among the best closers in the game. And, Five year, I mean, twenty million a year for a closer is not something that I envision the Orioles shelling out the money for. I just don't see it as awesome as it would be to have a reunion with Hater. I, I just, I, I don't see it happening for the price tag.
0: Yeah, I, I don't see it happening either. Um, would be awesome. Would be nice. The Orioles would be able to really more than adequately replace Felix Bautista. Um, but look they're not going to give that kind of money to to maybe even a starting pitcher, let alone a relief pitcher. Uh right. so the the fact is Josh Hader is not pitching in Baltimore unless whatever team he's pitching on is is visiting Camden Yards at some point this season. It's just it's not going to happen. Now you move on to Craig Kimbrell who had a nice season with the Phillies. He's one of the most dominant closers in the game for the Braves, for the Red Sox, for the Cubs. Um but he ain't that guy anymore. Nice season for for the Phillies was pitching in the postseason was fair in the postseason. But if, if I'm looking at the Orioles acquiring a uh, Craig Kimbrell, Ryan, it's not going to be to pitch in the ninth inning. It's going to be to be that setup guy, be a seventh or eighth inning guy who occasionally gets the ball in the ninth inning. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I I agree with you completely. You know, it's Kimbrell's a weird case to me because, he somehow seems to still pitch well, despite the fact that I'm pretty sure he's been 36 years old for about a decade. Yeah, that's just he and Justin Turner are two guys who just give. I feel like they've been in their mid 30s for my entire life. Um, yeah, he, you know, he was fine. I I don't think he's gonna demand a huge price tag. He might, you know, simply because of his name. But I, I mean, I could take it or leave it. I like our in-house options a little more than I like. A, I believe. Thirty-eight year old Kimbrel.
0: Yeah. Well, you just say he's been thirty-six for a decade, so he's got to. He's got to still be thirty-six. He's skipping a year. He's skipping a year. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I. If they sign Kimbrel, okay, but it, it can't be the ninth inning guy. I'd be okay yeah. with him coming here. I would one hundred percent be okay with him coming here, but not as a ninth inning guy. Uh, then you move on to we're going to save the best. For last and by best, I mean best take for last. Real,
1: real quick, Kimbrell is only thirty-five. I apologize, Craig.
0: Oh, he's he's only thirty-five. That's years
1: old. yeah, surprising.
0: Wow. All right, all right. Uh, so thirty-five-year-old Craig Craig Kimbrell. Um I, I'd take him, but not for the ninth inning. Uh, Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks is a guy who. Now here's a guy. Little uh, Chris Collinsworth there for you. Jordan Hicks is a guy who can touch 105 miles an hour with his fastball. It's absurd. He's yeah. he's routinely in the triple digits for and it fastball. rides too. Yeah. It, like like the guy's got a high quality arm, but he's also routinely, you know, got a, got a whip above 1.3. He averages nearly five walks per nine for his career. He averages six wild pitches. I mean six hit by pitch and eight wild pitches a season for his career. For comparison's sake here, Dylan Cease led the majors last year in hit, in um wild pitches with 14 and that was in 112 more innings pitched than Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks if if he were to pitch as, as 177 innings, or are probably on court 20 wild pitches. Um when he's good, he's good. When he's bad, he's really bad. Uh you know, he, he had a uh, What was his ERA when, what was his ERA last year? It was in the, it was like three Oh five. I think it was, but I've seen him routinely more above four than I've seen him below it. Uh, Your thoughts on Jordan Hicks. Is he somebody who you'd want to have on the Baltimore Orioles in uh, 2024? You know, it's,
1: he, he feels to me like a nastier Brian Baker. And I mean, whose, I mean whose that,
0: birthday it is today, by the way?
1: Uh, happy birthday, Brian Baker! Uh, and I, I mean that in a good way about Jordan Hicks. Um, I think, well, he, I don't know, man. It's it's an interesting case because it seems like the Orioles have done well with that kind of pitcher,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and in helping them figure out how to hit the zone a little bit more, be a little bit less wild, uh, the Orioles have had success. I mean, Felix Bautista walked everybody his entire way up through the minors until, you know, he hit double a, uh, you Cano came over as a guy who walked a ton of hitters. And then he went and hardly walked anybody last year. Um, it's, it, it's, it seems like a case where the Orioles could bring him aboard and he would have more success here than he would just about anywhere else, simply because of the pitching development we have here. On the other hand, I would have thought the same thing about Shintaro Fujinami, mm-hmm. and he struggled mightily when he was off. He was way off last year, uh, and he, I,
0: I I do want to ahead, talk bro. about
1: Fuji in a second. But with Hicks, I, it's a similar case to me. I think you know he's got a little more experience pitching in high leverage, meaningful baseball as a member of the Cardinals. So Hicks is a signing that I think would be acceptable. I I would like him as an eighth inning guy.
0: Yeah, I would like him as a late-inning guy, too. Again, he's got 33 career saves, you know, and he's been around since, what, 2017? So right. it's that's not a guy who is consistently pitching in the ninth inning of baseball games. Um, again, he, he he's a guy who, just like Craig Kimbrough, I can have him in the back end of my bullpen, but I don't want him routinely being the guy who's going to be closing out games for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then the the guy that I wanted to get to who uh is a free agent who could be available would be Oraldas Chapman and they've talked to as Chapman and if you've t- tuned in to me at any point uh over the last several years of the bat around I hate I hate with a loathing passion Oraldas Chapman anybody that puts their hands on a woman uh, you can't play for my team you can't come into my city I don't want to see you um to me, a role as Chapman is the epitome of everything the Orioles should be, should not be about. And if he were to be brought into Baltimore, Brian, I got I have no idea how I could watch him day in and day out for 162 game season, wanting my team to win, but wanting him to, you know, have his arm snap in half on the first pitch of the season. You know, I, I have no desire to have that guy on the team. I don't know that I've ever felt as strongly about not having a player on the Orioles as I do on any of my teams as I do a role as Chapman.
1: Well, the only thing I'll say is you mentioned it is holiday season. I wouldn't touch him with a 39 and a half foot pole. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's my analysis on whether or not I want the Orioles to sign a role as Chapman. No no part of it for me.
0: Yeah. For the same Um, reasons as you. Yeah. And look, he had he had a 2.75 ERA, I think it was, um, with the Royals for the first part of the season last year. That ERA went up to 3.72 with Texas. Um, so we've seen him on the wrong side of some historic playoff moments. Um, so he kind of crumbles in big games. It, it, the the 2016 Chicago Cubs, notwithstanding, I think he blew a save in that in that World Series too. Yeah, he gave seen, up that
1: homer to Rajay Davis in the eighth.
0: Yeah, exactly, and we we've seen him um, on the mound as Houston was walking him off. I believe in back to back postseasons when he was with the Yankees, he was terrible in twenty twenty two with the Yankees. ERA was nearly four and a half, um, and on top of that, he's just a a, a giant sizzling piece of human garbage. So uh, he can stay as far away from Baltimore. Um, and you know what, sign with a team that comes to Baltimore and the Orioles can beat him and I can boo him relentlessly during those games. I'm cool with that. Just not coming down the, the orange carpet in the orange and black on opening day or any day after that, Araldis Chapman. Thanks. No, thanks. Get the hell out of my face. Um, and I'm glad,
1: go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't remember if it was game one or game two, but, uh, in the, the postseason series against the Orioles this year. We almost got to him too. Uh, he yeah. gave up a, a; it was a walk or two, base hit, and he looked rattled, and then was able to settle in. But man, I wanted nothing more than to light him up and for, mm-hmm. for the comeback win well, for the Orioles. Man,
0: so did I. And what he was—it's funny because I think he walked the first two guys, and then he got—he fell behind two zero, and I can't remember who was batting. It seems like a, ty- a, a typical Alston Hayes thing to do. Um, but whoever was batting, um, it was like it was 2-0 and they were swinging away after back to back walks. They ended up uh, getting out and getting the Rangers got out of the inning and yeah. uh, let, let them off the hook. Chapman didn't have it. And uh, they they let him back into it. So, all right. I'm glad you added this to those. And actually, before before we do that, I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by uh, Superbook. A lot of baseball fans cashed in on futures bets with the Orioles last season. If you missed out, don't make the same mistake twice. Right now at Superbook, uh, right now at Superbook, you can get the Birds to win the American League at six to one odds, or to win it all at twelve to one odds. So go to Superbook now and place your bets on the future of the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, getting back to things, you put this in here, and I meant to do it last night. I'm glad that you did, cause I forgot. Um, it was also reported by Jeff Paston that the Guardians are opening or open to trading Emmanuel uh, Clace. uh Ryan, since you put this in here, take it away. Your, your, your case for Emmanuel Clace, uh for the Orioles.
1: Yeah. I'm going to make a brief fraction. Class A. Uh, Class it, a. It, it, it's, it seems like perhaps they're just listening mm-hmm. as they should on anybody. Uh, but if he truly is on the trade market, he's not going to be 26 until March. He's on a, an incredibly team-friendly deal considering how good of a closer he is. Now, granted, his numbers weren't as great as we're accustomed to last year. His strikeout rate went down a bit, but still led the league in saves. He uh, he has five years of team control left. The next three years, it's a little over $4 million a year. And then there's a pair of $10 million club options for 2027 and 2028. That is a ridiculously team-friendly contract if he remains a solid closer is this something and now when you consider a guy who's that young with that many years of control left and who is that good, I believe he's been an all-star two or three straight years. That's someone who's going to bring back a hall in a trade mm-hmm. or so it seems. Mm-hmm. Is that something is, is Emmanuel Clase a guy you would be willing to have the Orioles pony up a couple good prospects for, or would you rather look in the free agent market? Cause when I look at the market, we talked about Josh Hader being the best option. He's going to be way out of our price range. And then beyond that, it's not great. Would you rather pay for one of those guys that we just talked about or
0: give up a couple dudes for class A in a trade? Well, so first and foremost, the last time I called him Clace, I was like, that's not his name. It's like, I, I thought it was
1: too for the longest time.
0: Literally in my head, I'm like, it's class A. And then I start thinking of Joe Dirt or Joe dearte Um yeah. But then also your case for Emmanuel Clase felt right. That's but it true. is it is Emmanuel Clase. And um didn't he blow 12 saves last year? He did. He yeah. did. I'm not giving up a haul for a guy who blew 12 saves. Do you remember back in 2013 when Jim Johnson had his second consecutive 50 save season for the Orioles? It was a first pitcher in American League. I think in baseball history had back to back, maybe I think uh, Eric Gagne did another guy. His name is Gagne, and he went Gagne. Yeah. Um, uh, um, Jim Johnson had 51 saves in 2013, but it was in 60 opportunities. He blew nine saves, and the Orioles missed the playoffs by like three games that year. If he had blown six saves, the Orioles would have been in the playoffs. I don't want a guy on look, if he were to come here in free agency, or you could trade for him and take Shane Bieber off their hands, too. Um, Maybe then I'm willing to give up some, some, some prospects. But if I have to give up a haul just to get a, a manual class A, I'm not doing it. I'm not do, I, like, how do you trust that guy in the ninth inning when he's blowing 12 saves last year? Thanks, no thanks. If he was a free agent, I'd say try and sign him. But I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up more than one prospect and a couple middling prospects to get him.
1: That's, That's fair. Crazy. I, I think I think he's a little better. Am I back?
0: Yeah, Wi-Fi well, might here. be
1: a little spotty. Good, good, good. Um, I I think he's a little better than you're giving him credit for. Uh, with that being said, I I tend to agree with you that I don't want to give up, you know, anybody legit uh, in order to acquire him. But it's mm. it's hard not to think that the Orioles should at least be on the phone saying, you know, hey, what's uh, what's the deal here? What are you guys looking for in return? I, I think it's something that they should at least consider, kick the tires on. But um, you know, I I, I tend to agree that you don't want to give up too much of a prospect haul for class A. I I do think he's a little better than than a, a 12 blown safe closer. He does have a career two ERA.
0: Oh. Well, that's that's fair. And I do believe Cleveland didn't have a great defense um behind him. Or maybe they no, they definitely had a good defense. They definitely had a good defense, but I'm thinking of the White Sox. I'm thinking of the White Sox who had who had the bad defense last year. Um, yeah. I'm sure that the Orioles have, have done their due di- diligence, especially with the winter, winter meeting starting tomorrow. Um, and I'm sure that they've talked to his camp and to the to Cleveland in general. But a lot of this stuff, and we we learned this last offseason. Like they were t- somebody was talking to a former um, executive general manager, um, and they said that when these reports come out that. Oh, this team has talked to this guy, and you would have never seen it coming. It's legitimately like, like I guess, like the Randy Orozarena stuff, like that. He's on the trading block. It's legitimately something like a team called, and they're like, "Oh, would you be willing to part with uh, Randy Orozarena?" And the Ray said, "You'd have to give us the world." And that's the the basis, the, the right. beginning and the end of the conversation. And technically, they talked about Randy Orozarena. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so it's stuff like that. So like when we hear that the Orioles have talked to Josh Hader, when we, when we, when we know that they've done under due diligence calling these guys, these teams about trades, it could have been, Hey, would you trade a Shane Bieber and Emmanuel Classe for Colton Calcer and John Pinto? And they're like, no, we need more than that. It could have been something like that. It could have been, Hey, right. Josh Hader, would you take three years at $63 million to come pitch for us instead of five at 105? No. Okay. You know, it's it, it's stuff like that. So I'm sure they're talking to these teams. I'm, but I don't know how realistic it is.
1: Yeah, we, we never know until it, it gains some traction.
0: What the heck? Uh, sorry,
1: the crash in my house just now. I yeah, you I, have
0: you have cats, right?
1: I do have cats and a new Christmas tree. Yep, that's possible. Uh, hopefully, is the fiance home? Yeah, she's home. So, uh, yeah, she can deal <laughs> with it. You do it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I heard it and it it startled me. Um. We were talking about, oh, yeah, due diligence. I mean, yeah, you, you have to at least check in and, and see how things are going, but it's it's unlikely that the Guardians, I think, are willing to actually trade him unless they get a massive return, um, mm-hmm. which is which is why I, I prefaced the whole conversation with maybe they're just fielding calls as they should, as every team should on every player, mm-hmm. for, the, for the most part. Um, yeah. Yeah, Yours
0: could not be fielding any calls on Jackson Holiday or Gunnar Anderson. Nah. Or I
1: Bruchman. agree completely. Um, but I do want to move on, uh, if if you would like to move on, to uh, starting pitching. We talked a little bit about Bieber. You wanted to talk about Dylan Cease.
0: Yeah, um, John Heyman noted in the same piece that he said that the Orioles were, were kicking the tires on all those relievers. Noted that, the, or- that the, the, the trademark for Dylan Cease is heating up and the Orioles could be a perfect match. He's got two years of team control. Uh, the question is, what would it take? For the Orioles to acquire the 2022 AL Cy Young uh, runner-up, whose ERA has more than doubled uh, from 2022 to 2023, uh, from 220 to 458, what would it take for the Orioles to acquire that guy? Because the stuff's still there. Three consecutive years of 200 strikeouts. His stuff is still nasty. Can the Orioles put together a package where they don't have to mortgage their future but they can still get a pitcher like Dylan Cease. And would you rather have a guy like Dylan Cease instead of maybe a a Corbin Burns who might cost a little bit less because he's on an expiring contract?
1: Yeah, I mean, we we talked a little bit last week. I'm not sure I want the Orioles to put together a package for Dylan Cease because it's going to be a good package, Mm -hmm. and we don't know which version of Dylan Cease we're getting. He wasn't very good last year. I understand he was the Cy Young runner-up in in 2022. He pitched to a 220 ERA. He was fantastic. He wasn't that guy last year. And and we don't know if he's going to be that guy again. He's got the stuff. He's got the strikeouts. But I'm not sure I want the Orioles to put together a package that would beat other teams' packages to acquire a Dylan Cs.
0: So what what I will say is that his fielding independent pitching number was much closer to four than his actual 458 ERA. And no pitcher in baseball was hurt more by poor defense than Dylan Cease was last year. So playing playing with the Orioles' defense behind you, with Adley Rutschman as your catcher on a team that's on, even though they won 101 games, they're still on this kind of a trajectory, while the team that you were currently on is on this kind of trajectory – and the way the duels have been able to develop pitching uh, over the last few years, I think that would bode well for a Dylan Cease. I'd much rather get Dylan Cease who has that. Corbin Burns is really good. He's never been as good as Dylan Cease was in 2022. Uh, He's, he's really, really good. Dylan Cease has the opportunity to be really, really good too. He's younger and he's got more team control for me. And I said this two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, that I thought that Dylan Cease was going to be a Baltimore Oriole, that I think the Orioles are going to make that trade for him. I firmly believe <clears throat> at the beginning of the winter meetings, whether it's tomorrow, Monday, or Tuesday, we're going to see that the Orioles are trader for Dylan Cease. I think he's he's running down that orange carpet on opening day. Um, and I, I frankly would love it. I think that he's better than he was last year. I think he got bogged down by a bad team with a bad defense in a situation he probably didn't want to be in. And I think that he, like a lot of other pitchers, would be rejuvenated pitching in Baltimore with a more pitcher friendly ballpark, which is still so weird to say, even though we've had that wall for two years now, it is a pitcher friendly ballpark now. I think that Dylan Cease would be a perfect fit for the Baltimore Orioles.
1: Yeah, look, I I don't want to be uh, guilty of looking at his 2023 numbers in a vacuum. I understand there are other factors that go into it. I know Mm -hmm. that he was hurt by poor defense. I know that he probably didn't want to be where he was. and it very well could be a great deal for the Orioles, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say I wouldn't be excited to get a pitcher of his caliber, mm-hmm. just purely based on that potential that we've seen from him. And you did mention one more year of control than Corbin Burns has. That being said, I think in terms of consistency, I would prefer Corbin Burns, but it's not a move I think the Orioles are gonna go out and make. I think Cease is more realistic, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we're if if you're texting me on on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, I told you Orioles were going to get Dylan Cease. I'm not I'm not going to be upset about it. Not not by any stretch. So I, I'm I'm certainly excited to see what the Orioles do this week. If they make any major splashes, um, this is one of my. I mean, I guess every baseball fan will tell you this is the best part of the offseason. season when the winter meetings are coming around, wheels are starting to turn. You got notifications on for all the beat writers. I redownloaded Twitter so that I could, you know, not miss out on anything exciting. Um, I got MLB trade rumors fired up, so it's it's a good time of year. I hope the Orioles make a splash.
0: Maybe Dylan Cease is the guy. Wouldn't hate it. I saw your return to Twitter action. Um, <laughs> I think it was something like, uh, "What's up, people?" or something like that, or "What's going on, What's guys?" or "What's popping?" What's popping? That's, That's all. What's Just- popping? Just pop back in with a with a, with a what's popping. By the way, are you standing this week? No, no, no.
1: I'm sitting. I just I have a different. I, I had to get all my baseball cards from my parents' house.
0: Oh, you like must that. be like
1: on on a on a stool or something. It's a it's a normal desk chair, I
0: think. But I don't know. Am, uh, I, am I too high? No, you're not too high. It just it just looks like there's nothing behind you, uh, and and like. It just it looks like, yeah, it, it, I mean, like even chair wise, it looks like there's nothing behind you. And I guess the same thing can be said for me. It looks like you're standing. Okay. But I, I, I can see how
1: you think that now I've i have got the chair. I've got laundry baskets full of baseball cards that I need to organize. I haven't gotten a chance to work on my my uh, background at all. This, this was the busiest week of work I've had. Mm-hmm. Mailing week, getting budgets out, all that fun stuff. Um, sure. So, yeah, haven't gotten a chance to do anything about this behind me, but we'll get there.
0: No, it's funny. And before I say this, Ryan and I are both short guys. So it's not like I'm making fun of you for it, but no, I no, can no, see, no. see the couch behind you. And I'm like, I know he's short. He's not that small. Right. So like, I'm like, is, is the camera on an angle? What's going on here? But it is kind of on a downward angle
1: because if I tilt it up, it, the way my desk is built, it's got shelving above the desk. So oh, gotcha. the higher up the camera is the more just wood you're going to see. So <laughs> I keep it, I keep it down a little bit.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I just, I had to figure it out. I had to figure it out. Uh, just like if you're wondering what you're trying to eat for dinner today or for lunch today and you want to figure it out, go over to Royal Farms. Feed your family gathering this holiday season with Royal Farms World Famous Chicken. Get an eight-piece mix for just $12 or a 10-piece dark for just $15 at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Today I almost went to Royal Farms for breakfast this morning. I didn't give myself enough time. If I had, the show would have started at 1020 instead of uh, you know, 10 oh two. but head on over to Royal Farms for your for your either for lunch today or for your holiday gatherings. Take advantage of the deals while they last. Um want to talk a little bit about the starting pitching. Um, And you mentioned that, you know, if the Orioles trade for Dylan Cease, you won't be upset to see me uh, uh, texting you on Monday or Tuesday saying, I told you so. I get to say a little bit of an I told you so. Sonny Gray, he signed for three years, $75 million, which was a number I predicted on the show last week. Did not predict it was going to be with the St. Louis Cardinals, but he went to join Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson with the St. Louis Cardinals. They're ramping up their rotation. Apparently, they're the favorites to land. Jordan Montgomery get that reunion there, too. Um, So we talked about their rotation last year. Their rotation is going to be old, but it should be pretty solid. The Orioles... Did not get – did not uh, have the opportunity to bring Sonny Gray home. home. Bring Sonny yeah. Gray to Baltimore. I believe St. Louis is where he grew up because he wanted to go pitch for St. Louis.
1: I, I did see a quote he mentioned that. I don't know if he's he's from there or not. But, yeah, you nailed it with the number three for 75. It sounds about right for Sonny Gray. He was very, very good last year. He's been pretty solid for most of his career. Mm-hmm. And that that Cardinals rotation, like you said, they're old, but they got some talent there. And, you know, it, it'll be exciting to see what they can do. Clearly it was a point of emphasis and they've already signed three guys and I'm, I'm sure they're not done.
0: Yeah. Lance Lynn, I've been a huge Lance Lynn fan for like 10 years. And he was so good in St. Louis. And then he went, I think he went to the Yankees and he wasn't good for them. Then he ends up with, I think he ended up in Texas, was phenomenal again. And then his first little stint in Chicago with the White Sox, he was he was okay. And then last year, he fell off a cliff. He would still have these really fantastic outings. But he, gave up, he gave up something like 50 home runs last year. He led the majors by a wide margin in yeah. home runs allowed last year. But if anybody believes in Lance Lynn, it's this guy right here. I think Lance Lynn's a bulldog, man. I would have, If the Orioles had signed him, I would have loved it. I would have been, been pointed to everybody being been like, you just wait. You just wait to see what Lance Lynn is going to do. St. Louis is a baseball town, man, and he's going to go in there. He's, he's going to feel at home because that's where he started his career. I think Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, and and um, Sonny Gray are going to make up a really solid rotation for the St. Louis Cardinals. So um, the Orioles, their rotation. We keep talking about how they need help. They need help. They need help. Well, you look at what they have in their current rotation. Kyle Bradish finished fourth in AL Cy Young voting uh who was it the, was it alex was it alex Well, wow. was it uh kevin gossman to finish second or was he third
1: oh i i don't with the orioles
0: no kevin gossman was a oh, fabulous, oh sorry young this past year you and, say gossman and, i
1: think about former orioles pitching prospects for some reason um, right
0: well because he's a former yeah. orioles pitching prospect yeah no but,
1: I, I i honestly i didn't look at the um the full the full slate but it wouldn't surprise me Gosman was really really good so
0: year. I think now that I'm thinking about it because I think it was Garrett Cole Sonny Gray and then Kevin Gossman who finished third Kevin Gossman's only number that was better than Kyle Bradish was his case per night and Kyle Bradish the second half of the year he was neck and neck with Gossman in that category Bradish blew him out of the water in every other pitching category should have been a finalist for the Cy Young finished fourth in Cy Young voting he just like the Orioles 101 wins, but they're they're going like this. Kyle Bradish, he's going like this. He's on that 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 upward trajectory. That's a top of the rotation starter who's likely, unless they somehow bring in. Sorry, I hate when my computer does that in the middle of the show. Um, Unless they somehow bring in, um, like a former Cy Young winner who's still at that level. Kyle Bradish is getting the ball on opening day. then you look, you move to Grayson Rodriguez, and his first ten starts with the Orioles, awful. His ERA was was what above seven. He yeah. had some some good outings that showed promise, and some really really horrendous outings. It, it went back down to AAA. He comes back up, completely different pitcher. He was one of the best pitchers in the American League in the second half of the season. If he had pitched like that all year, he'd have been a finalist for this for the um, he'd have been a finalist for the Rookie of the Year this yeah, year for sure Kyle bradish grayson rodriguez ryan as far as top of the rotation goes where do the orioles uh to starting where's that where does that starting to rank for you in baseball right now
1: oh where it ranks that's a tough question um what i can say is i'm extraordinarily confident in that one-two punch mm-hmm. um, we, we've seen you know throughout bradish's career short career, I should say. We've seen some comps to Corbin Burns in the sense that he was a guy who could follow a similar trajectory. Corbin Burns was awful his rookie year. and he had like a 690-something ERA his, mm-hmm. his rookie year. He was pitching out of the bullpen, wasn't great. Um, and then something clicked. He started throwing his breaking balls a little bit more, cutter, slider, and started to find more success and became really dominant. Kyle Bradish has done the same thing. He found a ton of success last year when he started relying on a slider instead of trying to blow people away with the fastball, and it helped the fastball play up because hitters are sitting slider, and then he comes in with 96-97. That's a good pitch. He could make it cut when he wanted to. It's Bradish is a legitimate ace. I'm, I'm ready to say that. I think most, most Orioles fans are ready to say that. And Grayson very well could be right behind him. You hope that he continues to carry his success from the second half of last year, into 2024. I think he will. I think he has a better understanding now of what kind of pitcher he can be at the big league level. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be huge for his confidence. And it's huge for my confidence. I'm very confident in Bradish and Grayson as a one two punch. Where it ranks in baseball, I, I'd like to see, you know, a couple months into the season how things are looking. But I'm I'm happy with it. I'm I'm very, very happy with it. And if the Orioles go out and add a legitimate rotation piece, looking real solid because then yeah, I, but, don't wanna, I don't want to I don't want to get ahead of you too much but you know looking through your list here John means we we know what he's capable of Dean Kramer has shown signs that he can be really solid and then we've got Tyler Wells slotted in as a number 5 starter we were talking about Tyler Wells last year like he was an ace there's a right. lot of potential there too so there's some depth here even if one of Bradish or Grayson Rodriguez struggles a little bit for for any period of time I think they've got some guys who can pick up the slack. And it's weird to say that because that hasn't been the case for the Orioles in a long time.
0: Yeah, they've, they've got some dudes that are dudes in this rotation. That's for sure. Um, you look at it, man, and, and I look at the comparisons with um, Kyle Bradish and with Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez, all right? Kyle Bradish in 2022, in the first half of the season, it was in 10 starts, he had himself... A 738 ERA in 10 starts. His final 13 starts, that was the second half of the season. His ERA was 328. You go back, you look at Grayson Rodriguez this past season in 2023, right? His first first 10 starts, 735 ERA. That's the first half of the season. Second half of the season, just like Kyle Bradish, 13 starts, a 258 ERA. We saw how good Kyle Bradish was this year for the Orioles. And look, after la- During last season, I'm, when I say last season, I'm still talking about 2022. During 2022, there was a point where Kyle Bradish was, had been, was so dominant. He had, I think he had four consecutive starts of seven innings pitched or more and um, uh, two hits or less. Uh, he was so good in the second half. I said, this dude's going to be the Orioles' opening day starter next year. Watch. He's going to be their opening day starter. Now, look, that ended up being Kyle Gibson. Um John Means obviously wasn't around. Kyle Bradish um, had an up and down spring and ended up be, being, I believe, their their fourth starter. Um, but look at what Kyle Bradish did: first Orioles pitcher since Mike Messina in 1992 to pitch a full season to have a sub three ERA. Grayson Rodriguez had a better rebound in his rookie season than Bradish did in his rookie season. Grayson Rodriguez went into this past season as number one pitching prospect in baseball. As good as Bradish is, would you be surprised at all if Grayson Rodriguez went past him? And when I say go go past him, you're still talking about two guys who were the t- two of the top pitching pitchers, not just in the American League, but maybe in all of baseball. I have so much confidence in this duo. I think that it's going to put the Orioles head and shoulders above a lot of other teams this year. And then John Means as your number three. I mean, this is a guy who's a former all-star. Who threw a no-hitter that was a, a drop third strike away from being a perfect game.
1: I'm still mad at Sevy for that.
0: Yeah, man. But yeah, I mean, it is he has the greatest no-hitter no-hitter performance in the history of the Baltimore Orioles. And this is a guy, he comes back <clears throat> for four starts after Tommy John surgery to end the 2023 season, takes a no-hitter into the seventh inning against the Cleveland Guardians, absolutely dominates. He goes into the seventh and eighth innings I think in two of his in his final two starts the guy is still nails and he's your number three starter that is huge to me then you look at what what uh, who's gonna factor in for the number four and number five spots in the rotation uh Dean Kramer he had a 321 era in 2022 that rough April really um inflated his numbers for the season. His ERA from from May first on was like three fifty, yeah. and this is a guy that won fourteen games for the Orioles. We know the postseason performance that he had. We also know the circumstances under which he was pitching, with everything going on in his home country. Um, this is his home country, but it, his nationality. Yeah, you know, and <clears throat> we we know what was going on, how heavily that had to had to weigh on him. And if he's your four or probably five starter in this rotation you can do a whole hell of a lot worse. Yeah. You know, it, it, Dean Kramer is that guy who's proven over the last two years that he can be a big time pitcher for you. Um, I kind of want to get your thoughts on Dean Kramer because you don't, there was a point where like, he's the 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 sole return at this point for Manny Machado. He's like that, the guy that was the big piece that came back and that he wasn't at the time, but, and there were times when we were kind of looking at him and he led the minor leagues in strikeouts the year that he got traded for. and, we were kind of looking at him. Maybe he can be that top of the rotation guy. I don't think anybody looks at Dean Kramer that way. Now. I think you look at him at his ceiling is probably a, a a middling three, right?
1: Yeah, I think, I think so. And if if he's, he's a five, if, if we're talking this time next year, I shouldn't say this time next year. If we're talking in, you know, August or September of, of next season. And we're saying, all right, Dean Kramer has been our fifth best starter. I think the Orioles are going to be in really good shape at that point, if that's the case. Mm-hmm. And Kramer, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like him a lot. He's definitely shown different instances of dominance. There was one start. I I can't remember, like you, can specifics on, you know, who we were playing or what exactly the situation was. But I remember there being a throwing error that should have been an easy pick at first base. Mm-hmm. And then he came out and uh, struck out the next three batters and threw four of his five hardest pitches of his career. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of attitude, that's the kind of bulldog mentality I want in my starting pitchers. And I think Kramer's got that. I think he wears his emotions on his sleeve. He doesn't always show it with his facial expression, but you can tell by his body language. That's a dude I want in my rotation. He knows when to get fired up. He knows when to give it a little extra. And yeah, I, I, I like him a lot. Now, I wish he would pitch with his hair down, literally. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, hey, if the, if the man bun works, I'm all for it.
0: Yeah. And look, the man bun has worked the last two years. He's been a really solid piece of the Orioles rotation. Um, <clears throat> there are times that I'm like, when you watch Dean Kramer pitch, you can tell which Dean Kramer you're getting pretty early on. Yeah. He's one of those guys where you can see if he's missing up, he, he's not going to he's not gonna last very long. Um, and you can usually tell that in the first inning, uh, what kind of night you're getting out of Dean Kramer. Now, fortunately, from May on, you got the good well more than you got the bad out of Dean Kramer. But look, if he's a back-end rotation piece for you, that's a guy who's pitched really, really well the last two years for this team. I don't hate that. <clears throat> you look at the other guys that that are on the the forty man roster who could be considered rotation pieces: Cole Irvin, Tyler Wells, D.L. Hall, Cole Irvin. They traded uh, Daryl Hernandez. Uh, is it Hernandez or Hernaez?
1: I don't know. It's Hernay's and MLB The Show, but I'm pretty sure it's actually Hernays. Although okay. I, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't reference MLB The Show at all because I remember a year when uh, Nick Markakis was Markakis. So, oh.
0: yeah. I, uh, let me tell you a funny story real quick now because you mentioned Nick Marcakis' name I remember going to buy MLB the show um, at Walmart this was several years ago when Markakis was still on the team so we're talking prior to 2015 yeah I go into Walmart and the guy who's helping me he's this like young 20s, like maybe 20-21 years old um, and you can kind of tell that he's Mediterranean he's Greek he's Italian he's something and He walked to me over to the case. He grabs a game for me and he goes, you know, my cousin plays for the Orioles. I'm thinking thinking, this guy's going to tell me that Nick Markakis is, is his cousin. And I go, oh, yeah, who's that? And he goes, you know, Nick Markakis. And he called him Nick Markakis. And when he said that to me, I was like, oh, that's cool. And in my mind, I'm like, you don't even know how to pronounce his name. That dude's not your cousin.
1: Well, hang on. If if he was Mediterranean, are we all pronouncing it wrong? Maybe he knows the actual pronunciation and we're all idiots. So he wasn't
0: like from the Mediterranean. He was like from here. But okay. you could tell that, that he was like, you can look at me and you can tell that I'm like Italian, right? I'm Italian or Greek or, y- you know, yeah. with him, you could look at him and you could tell the same thing. But he was clearly, he's from, he's from like Harford County. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> And if you're from here and you pay attention to the Orioles at all, and you Nick Marcakis calls himself Nick Marcakis, right? So it's like my he sister, you not just
1: not correct anybody
0: that he is the type, he, he is the type just, just kind of let it go. Zach um, Britton
1: was Zach with an H for the longest time, and then finally he he ponied up and was like, Hey guys, it actually should be spelled with a K. My name's Zachary, Z A C K A R Y.
0: That's how did how did uh PR not know that?
1: I have no idea.
0: I I I don't know either. Um, well,
1: all I'm saying is maybe it actually is Markakis or Markakis, and we all just Americanized it, and he never said anything because why would he?
0: I don't he know. Didn't say every, anything every, about anything else. Everybody in the world called him Nick Markakis, man. Yeah. Like, like I just and if you're from here and you're trying to claim that Nick Markakis is your cousin and you call him Nick Markakis, yeah, you know, yeah. But another stupid quick story. I worked at bonefish for a really long time. And there was this guy who worked in the kitchen and he was new. And I heard somebody, I heard somebody say Kevin and I thought they were talking to him and I called him Kevin for six months. I'm not kidding for six months. And then I walked by him and he was talking to like his dad or something like that. He was sitting at the front of the kitchen and his dad said, We'll just say Tyler. All right, Tyler, I'll see you when you get home tonight. And I did a double day. I like stopped in my tracks. I turned around and I said, Tyler. He's like, yeah. I was like, your name's Tyler. He's like, yeah. I was like, I've been calling you Kevin for six months. Why did you not correct me? He's like, I mean, it just, it just didn't matter. You know, He's yeah, like, I knew you were talking to me. It just didn't. But that's weird,
1: right? Like that people, some people just don't care to correct you. I don't know. I've, all right, I've got a story. If we're, if we're doing story time, this is a, 10-second story, but um, I was at Fogo de Show with uh, a, a group in high school, and um, I went to the restroom, and next to me at the urinal was uh, Orioles reliever, who we all fondly remember, Kevin Gregg, mm-hmm. and I br- I bring that up only because you mentioned it, Kevin, and it came into my head, and I have ADHD, oh. and that's how my brain works, but we can move on now.
0: Kevin Gregg, notorious <laughs> for hitting David Ortiz, and then giving him the old one-two punch after that. Yeah. Um, you look at Tyler Wells, um, DL Hall, um, Cole Irvin. I'm a huge believer in, in DL Hall. I think he could be a starter. It has nothing to do with ability. Can he stay healthy? And do you want him starting for you? If he's definitely going to be on an innings limit this year, because he's never thrown more than 91 innings in his professional career. Uh, Tyler Wells, Orioles best started the first half of the season. He ran out of gas pretty quickly in the second half, to the point where he got demoted to the minors. And it wasn't a demotion more so much as it was them sending him down so they could deload him a little bit, yeah, have him um, and have and then build him back up like they did with DL Hall. And then Cole Irvin, like we were starting to talk about, uh, traded for Darrell for Hernais, um, the Orioles' number six infield prospect at the time. And who is now, you know, added to the forty-man roster? Uh, got moved up to started at Double A, got moved up to Triple A. Had a nice had a nice year over in the Oakland Athletics, seemed to be Vegas Athletics um, organization. Cole Irvin got three starts for the Orioles before getting demoted because he was terrible and all of them. Didn't come back up until well later in the season when he was then used primarily in a relief role. These three guys, do any of them have an opportunity to be in this Orioles rotation this year?
1: I think they'll all be given an opportunity, and if one of them works out. Orioles are in pretty solid shape, mm-hmm. you know. DL Hall, the stuff has always been there. He he had to you know go down to Sarasota for a little bit last year to get his velocity back up, but I, I I'm with you. I'm a big fan of DL Hall. Tyler Wells is when he's healthy and when he's pitching well, he pitches really well. He mm-hmm. you know he came in. Bradish took a, a line drive off the foot and and had to leave in his first start of the season down in Texas last year. Tyler Wells comes in and throws five perfect innings out of the bullpen. Yep, on a day when he wasn't supposed to pitch, uh, and then he slots into the rotation. And by the middle of the season, before he was demoted, he was leading the major leagues in WHIP. Yep, he, he was right up there with Sonny Gray, and and Joe Ryan. Uh, you know, a couple the one two punch of the Twins, and now we have our one two punch in Bradish and Rodriguez. But we we already talked about them. Wells, I think, is going to be first in line for that fifth rotation spot. Mm-hmm. With that being said, you know, we gave up Daryl Hone's for Cole Irvin. He's got three more years of team control. I think he'll be given every opportunity as well. And I don't know what they want to do with D.L. Hall. I think that he should be considered as a starter. But, man, he looked good out of the bullpen last year and yeah. the year before. Yeah. It's hard to take a guy like that and say, you know, go ahead and put him in the rotation. Jordan Hicks is another guy who was like that. Mm-hmm. He threw hard. He had great stuff. They wanted him to be a starter, and then they put him in the bullpen. He was good in the bullpen, and then they tried to make him a starter again. Ha- it, it, it hasn't really worked out great for him, and, and that's that's risky business because you want pitchers to be able to pitch on a routine. You mm-hmm. want them to know what they're getting themselves into. And I don't know, man. As much as I would love for D.L. Hall to be a dominant starter, which I think he could be, mm-hmm. He's pretty fun out of the bullpen, man.
0: He really is, man. He really took to it. And I'm a huge DL Hall fan. And I think that he wants to be a starter. I think he wants to be a starter. And I think he's going into spring training thinking, this is my opportunity to prove that I deserve to be a starter. Um, But like you said, he was so good out of the bullpen for them this past year. Dominant. And I don't know, man. He's got closure written all over him. He's yeah. got like, he is just so good. But when a guy has that kind of a four pitch mix from the left side, and he can throw that hard. I, I feel like you have to have, you have to give him every opportunity to be a starting pitcher. Yeah. I'm so torn about it. I, he's going to be on this roster one way or the other. I'm just not sure if it's going to be as a starter or as a reliever. I'm going to, I'm going to say that it's going to end up being as a reliever, but I really hope I'm, 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 showing my ass here, but I, I, I really hope it's as a starter. I like, but- I just think, if, 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 can you imagine a rotation of Bradish, Grayson, and DL Hall pitching to the top of their ability? Who's going to beat them? Who's going to nope, beat nobody? Team? That's right. the thing.
1: My my heart says he's a starter, my head says he's probably going to stay in the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, but uh, man, it's, yeah. And, and you don't think DL Hall wants to go out and shove with his buddy Grayson Rodriguez at the top of a rotation? That's yeah. exactly what he wants. You know, he's going to have that fire under him. Maybe maybe it, it changes something. Maybe something clicks in his head. He's like, "All right, my dude Grayson, Kyle Bradish, two guys I came up with, are shoving at the top of a starting rotation. I want to be there with him, and that's going to show in his performance. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I I I believe that, that some people have that that dig deep ability, and maybe he's one of those guys. He seems the way his stuff and his his athletic um, ability." through his entire life, I, I, am not going to put it past him. That's for sure. And Cole yeah. Irvin, um, and we, we got to get moving here, but Cole Irvin, um, in my opinion, he's going to fill that, that Austin both role that they expected both to throw to yeah. fill this past year. And I think he'll do it better than both did this past year. Uh, I expect him to be, a, uh, um, like a swing man type of guy, um, who if, if a starter gets hurt or just has a bad outing, he's the first called upon. And then if mm-hmm. you need a spot start, he's the first called upon. I think that's going to be Cole Irvin's role. Tyler Wells, like you said, I think he's going to get every opportunity to make this rotation. Um, but I would not be surprised in the least. He's been so good out of the bullpen. I I, yeah. I would not be surprised in the least. They're like, you know what? The injury history with him, we've got to, and what happened last year, let's put him in the bullpen. Cade mm-hmm. um, Povich, uh, Chase McDermott, Seth Johnson. Seth Johnson he only got four, or five outings at four different affiliates this past season. Coming back from Tommy John surgery, he was a steal in that um, Trey Mancini trade. Um, I don't expect him to factor in the beginning of the Orioles season, but he could force his way the second half of the year. Chase McDermott is the reigning Minor League Pitcher of the Year. Is it Chase or Chaz? Chase, I think. Chase, it's, yeah, it, Chase. It's, it's Chase. Yeah, it's yeah. Chase. Um, he reigning Minor League Pitcher of the Year. He when he got from Double A AA to A, he only got better. This past season, I think he's going to have an op, a long shot, but he's been given an opportunity. We're going to see him. He's going to be like that type of guy that that starts the first Grapefruit League game for the Orioles in spring yeah. training. You know what I mean? He's going to be like that dude. And then Kay Povich, the stuff is phenomenal, but the numbers have never backed up how good his stuff is. Is he like the next Kyle Bradish?
1: I don't know, man. He'll. It seems like he'll have an outing where he goes five, gives up one hit, and strikes out twelve, and then his mm-hmm. next outing. He's given up eight earned in two and a third innings. It, right. it doesn't make and, and walking like six. It it doesn't make sense to me. I I think I, I'd comp him more to DL Hall than Kyle Bradish. Uh, not just because he's a lefty, but because of that, you know, you really don't know what you're going to get. Sometimes he struggles with command, but other times he can look absolutely disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know, man. I, I think all three of these guys you mentioned, Povit, Povich, McDermott, and Seth Johnson, all will make a case for themselves this year. They'll get plenty of run in spring training. I think they all start the season in triple a. I think it's maybe June that we start to think, you know, one of these guys is truly knocking on the door. And even then it depends on what the Orioles pitching staff looks like. If Mm -hmm. there's not a spot for these guys, then there's not a spot. Right. And they're going to stay in triple a all season. Like Connor Norby did, or like Joey Ortiz did for the most part. And you know, Maybe a spot opens up eventually because of an injury, because of performance. You don't really know, but I mean, I think I think they'll all be in the mix around the middle of the season.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll certainly see. And let's um let's not discount the idea that Dean Kramer could be a trade piece. Could be. Um, he could be a trade piece, and maybe that cl- because they, they're going to have to somebody's going to have to leave the rotation if they want to get acquire that ace type of starting pitcher.
1: Is Tyler um, Wells a trade piece?
0: Exactly. I, I think less so than, than Dean Kramer. Dean Kramer's had back-to-back seasons where he's looked like definitely a, a big league rotation piece where Tyler Wells put the other half the season this year. So, you know, we, we, have got to wait to see how that goes. Just want to remind you, today's show is brought to you by help my gambling problem. If you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services, rapid fire, Ryan, winter meeting starting tomorrow. Um, We're going to do Shohei Otani, um uh Yoshida Yamamoto Josh Hader and Juan Soto uh just rapid fire where are they going Shohei Otani
1: uh uh Dodgers
0: all right I think so too um Yamamoto
1: I hate to say it Yankees
0: I think so too um uh Josh Hader
1: Hmm. I, uh, I haven't put much thought into this. Um, I don't know. Pass.
0: Texas Rangers, I think. And then, uh, Juan Soto, is he getting traded or is he staying in San Diego?
1: I think he's staying in San Diego for now. I think he's traded before the season, but not this week.
0: Okay. And where do you think he's traded to?
1: Boston Red Sox.
0: Boston Red Sox. Man, I hope he stays out of the East unless it's. I do the too. You know, what if that's really the Orioles' big too. splash? What if that's the Orioles' big splash? And they, they go and they they trade for a starting pitcher and then they trade for Juan Soto. They could make it happen. I'm just saying they've got the pieces to they do it. They could, you know. Will they? Always been the question. Absolutely. Oh my God, I'd lose my I'd lose my s if it happened. Thank you all <laughs> for tuning in. I want to remind you that uh, if you missed anything by. Uh, Glenn Clark Radio is a sponsor of the show, and if you miss anything from Glenn Clark Radio this week, check out interviews with Tori Smith, Zach Britton, Kevin Zeitler, Kyle Gibson, and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. As for us, we're going to be uploading this show to SoundCloud. We're also going to be um, switching streaming uh, services for next week's show so that we can stream live on Facebook and YouTube at the same time. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Until next week. Ryan, thank you. Thanks to all of our listeners and all of our sponsors. Till next week, see ya.